into the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Yo. Yo, 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 yo. What is up, Gladiators? This is the after show for Scandal, episode 9. Uh, this was Where the Sun Don't Shine. It was the winter finale. It was amazing. It was mind-blowing, unexpected. So many twists and turns. I mean, the tears were flowing. I'm your host, Emilius Jr., and I'm joined here with three other amazing Gladiators. We're about to break it down, starting with... Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hi, I'm Sophia Stanley. Bam Erickson. What did you guys think about this episode? Because, I mean, I said in there, like, this is easily in my top five episodes, like, period. I may even go as far to say top three. Like, this episode was amazing. Like, I have never been on the edge of my seat so many times and not knowing where it was going to go. And then even when I saw where it went, still not expecting it to go. I mean, whoo. I just need to compose myself for a second. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. episode was amazing, though. I would just say ditto everything mm-hmm. that Emil said. Ditto, 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 ditto. So we started out with Rowan. Rowan is not there, and I thought it was funny how he always talked about he's a part of the Smithsonian, and they had the dinosaur bones <laughs> on the desk. So he wasn't there. He's gone, and they're trying to find him. And then we see that Mama Pope is back. And Mama Pope is still trying to do, hey, baby, like, how you doing? I mean, let, let it go. Let it go. But we'll get to Mama Pope later as far as what she said to Olivia because she spoke truth. I feel like a lot of people spoke truth in this episode. Um, but with Rowan, so Rowan, they can't find them. And then they're searching, they're searching, they're searching. And we find out that Rowan is cleaning house because B613 is now compromised. And so there's a kill card, and we find it out because Jake is almost killed by an agent, and there's a card in his pocket with his picture on there. And so we realize because of that that Jake's in danger, Quinn's in danger, Huck's in danger, Charlie's in danger, and also Olivia's in danger because Olivia is privy to all this knowledge. So I think from that point... Actually, I'm going to back up for you for a second. There was a moment, and and cut me off if you actually are going in this direction, um, that Jake basically, when Jake brought her the gun and Jake said, you're in danger too, I didn't think she was in danger. Because I've been saying again and again and again, when he left her, he was saying, okay, I'm done. You already chose sides. Literally, we are through. The minute she then came after him, this slightly different scenario, but I still didn't think that she, she was part of what had to be cleaned up. When Jake brought it to her and brought her the gun, I literally was thinking to, her, to myself, she's not B613. She may be Command's child, but right. she's not B613. Like, if you don't realize the 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 position that she plays, then maybe you haven't been watching the show. And I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but I thought that that was incongruous. I get that. I do like what Jake said, though, in reference to that. And he was like, well, just like... Uh, cause she, didn't she say something like he wouldn't kill me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, he's probably thinking you wouldn't kill him either. So then, Touché. I don't know. It yeah. was it was amazing. But um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything before we get into the scene with Rowan. Uh, no. 
Roman sent out a dummy signal because Huck's trying to track him to find out where he is. Huck's trying to track him. He sends out a dummy signal, and then uh, Jake goes and, to his and house. The best word for it is dummy. Yeah, but go ahead. Because Rowan always knows. Like Rowan's always steps ahead of everybody as we continue to see, and everybody continues to think that they can figure Rowan out. But Rowan's always a step ahead of everybody. Rowan is pouring wine. Yeah, and on a side note, we just saw this happen in the Equalizer. Uh, Denzel did this in the Equalizer. <laughs> they don't go to the movies, so they wouldn't notice. Okay? Keep, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the Equalizer. <laughs> but seriously, um, but Rowan is, as we see, not in this dummy house. He's actually in Olivia's apartment, and we had one of the most incredible scenes of the show, point blank, where Rowan's talking to her and hope. You guys wrote down some quotes from that scene because it was freaking amazing. Um, but she sits down, or she gets there, and he tells Olivia to sit, and she says, leave, and he pulls out a gun. And then that's when shit gets real. And he's being friendly at first. He has the wine, he has the album, the Stevie Wonder album, like all these things. And then he starts to spit that truth to Olivia, and I think Sophia has her quote face on. I have some of them. She goes, he goes, the sad work. Actually, it starts with her trying to speak truth to him. And she basically goes on, basically, the sad, twisted life, the puppet, the strings. You're lonely. This is the only thing you have. And as she was talking and as she was basically saying that his entire life was surrounded around her or this empty thing that there is no love, I kept thinking, it is Olivia. She goes, you are a sick, lonely man. And he stands up and he goes, could you be more ungrateful? At that moment, I literally stood on my chair because I was scared like a child. Could you be more ungrateful? Now, the question is, do we think he was right? Yes. Yes, Yes, I think he was exactly right. And the whole time she was giving her a little monologue, I'm like, Olivia, come on. This is you. You are. And he told her, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. It's just unfortunate that after all of this time she hasn't seen any of this or maybe she has she just doesn't want to accept it but she has and i think she chooses not to accept it and i can't remember the actual episode but do you remember i think it was either the it could have been the fluffer remember when cyrus has the conversation with her and basically in essence says you're the help it is your job to fix everything to prop everyone up to make everyone feel good to orchestrate things but you are actually not a part of the things in which you are fixing you are not a part of the family so as she's talking I think the reason it hits so close to home which is oftentimes like why people irritate us right oftentimes people irritate us because they somehow remind us not only of ourselves but of the part of ourselves that we don't like right so as she was talking I kept thinking Olivia, we've been down this road before. So you may not consciously recognize that you're talking about yourself, but unconsciously you know full well, like father, like daughter, you are he. And I also think, and I know we're going to talk about this probably more offline, not only is she ungrateful for a for just the perspective that that's her dad, she's ungrateful from a practical perspective. You went to boarding school. You went to the best schools. Do you really think, if not for the way that he positioned you in life, right? If we all think that it's simply like we all pull ourselves up from our bootstrings and we all start off at the same place, you're kind of sadly mistaken. Certain decisions make it. No, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the first if you want to talk to me offline about my background. There are certain things that parents do to set you up to succeed and to be further ahead than other people. Number one, going to going to boarding school, wherever you went to, 
than literally having a Rolodex of people who are princes and kings and queens and diplomats, kids, and so forth and so on, allowed you to think and to know that this world is normal. He raised you to know that you had the right to advise the president in the way that you did. The reason he got so upset with her is that he did not raise her to be the mistress of a president, right? The first monologue, and I know I very rarely call her mistress, and I'll stop because I'm obviously ranting because I'm excited. She is. Oh. Yes. Right? But the that first um, airplane scene, that's why he was so upset. Because he goes, oh, did he convince you you would be first lady? So basically, he's he's cutting her down in two ways. He's saying, one, I didn't raise you to be a mistress. I raised you to be better than that. Even if you weren't a mistress and you then became the first lady, I raised you better than that. I didn't raise you to be the first lady like we have seen Melly's position to be. I raised you to be a leader, to pull people out from the darkness. <clears throat> I don't know what you're doing, but you're not doing it. And now, because of the choices that you have made that are against my plan, now you want to get mad at me? All right, cool. Then live in your little world that you created, but I'm not doing it. Uh, I have to say, um, for this scene with with, uh, with Liv and, and Rowan, um, I'm always um, against Reverend Ike anytime he <laughs> speaks. But I have to admit, for uh, for this finale, uh, one of finale episode. Reverend Ike was completely on point, and what really, like, I've been annoyed with this whole Olivia, Jake, Olivia Fitz. I've been annoyed with the whole thing just because. So, so, so what? Who cares? cares? <laughs> it's just I, I don't care. But there is something that I don't like about the situation is Olivia is choosing, as Rowan called it, two country boys. The clan, the good old boys, the clan of good old boys. He's basically the saying, clan. he's basically saying, you're choosing these country corn-fed white boys over your family, and I, you're choosing two people. One who's a, who's a president of the United States who you can't be in a relationship with, and then another, married. and because he's married, and another guy who was was who was hired to pretend to like you to be close to you, but you are going to choose these two boneheads over your dad and your family. When I saw that, I was like, "You dick thing, bitch, you." That's exactly how I felt because you're choosing you're choosing these two cats over your family. And that's when, for me... So why So why do we think, okay, let, let's kind of go two places. Let's really try to go deep with this. Why do we think, psychologically, she had to do it? And I'm going to give you what, my had quick reason. Had to do what? How, she, had to she, choose, she, oh. choose them versus him. I'm going to bring it a different direction. I think that it is symbolic of a child becoming an adult. That no matter, you know, who it is... You have to break away from your parent. I think that this situation is so dramatic that the breaking away had to be a literal or a figurative death and or a literal death. But in order for her to to exist on her own, to exist in her own light, she had to completely decimate or get rid of any parental anything. Even if it meant that in choosing... <clears throat> In, in not choosing her parent, she wasn't necessarily choosing them. She was just choosing not to be with a parent. I'm just playing devil's advocate, even though I actually believe, agree with Bam. Well, I see it something. I said, I think I said this last episode. I don't think she, I think she chooses other people because she's always chosen other people. She's never chosen her family. She's never been put in a position where her family was quote unquote good enough to choose them. She's always had a problem with her dad. 
she thought her uh, she thought her mom was dead, died in a plane crash. So I don't feel like she was ever given the opportunity to put them first or to hold them up on this pedestal where it's like just family first above above any, anything. If we have a fight, then you know we're still gonna ride ride or die together. She never had that. So when someone doesn't have that, you're used to making your friends your family you're used to the people other people around you you're just doing the best that you have with those that that group of people so that's why i think she chooses them so openly or so easily because she never heard this story like she how many times do we think olivia has ever heard a speech about you chose them over your family your flesh and blood she probably never has heard this he probably has never had to have this discussion with her because she hated him up until what last year so I think I don't even think I think when he was saying this to her I think that's the first time she ever got this family speech I think this was the first time that she ever thought like dang well maybe I am choosing my of them over but, you but the, problem where, but the problem where she lost me is okay it's one thing to hear something that you don't want to hear because we've all had that whether if it's from my parents or our friends or whoever but the moment when then you take your daddy's gun and then you contemplate and then you actually pull the trigger to kill your father? Bitch, okay. please. Okay. I don't, if that I, I is totally not important to you, then you would do something like that. Kill your... What? Is it, is it we, important we, that she people said... People kill their parents every day. Exactly. And then the point I, the point we're missing is, like, we're saying father just as the word father. But in Olivia's mind, does she really see Rowan as her father? But can you... Yes. I, no, but this is the thing. Is, Since though, when? I, no, no, no. Like, this is, just now. No, but this is the problem is, I, I agree with the question that Emil is asking. My problem with the situation is, how is he not a father? At the end of the day, he was your father up until you were 12 and your mom died. Your mom died, right? Go ahead. No, you go. No, I'm going to say, I, I get where you're going. And yes, he he's provided for her. He's cared for yeah. her in those, in, in those ways. But at the same time, he is very manipulative. And her life is in danger. I don't feel like by him being alive, she... Would you want somebody alive where you can't even live your life as long as they're alive? But enough, and this is, I think, this is the this, this is the key question. The scene with Jake, when she basically was like, I know how to use a gun, I've chosen not to. And at that moment when he says, you are looking in the mirror, and then what does he say? He goes, Olivia, watch yourself. And she pulls, or, or basically goes, you're looking in a mirror, and is that when she grabs the gun? Mm-hmm. And he goes, watch yourself. And she's literally holding the gun. At that moment, and I don't know if anyone is, like, in the military or if they're a police officer. Basically, I'm saying if anyone who is one of our listeners or one of our viewers is in a legitimate reason to have to potentially defend themselves. I personally would assume that for a human being to do that, even when they are being, when there is an eminent threat, meaning that it is clear self-defense, several people still cannot pull the trigger. To do so, and it is your father? To do so when it is your father, when he has just told you, you know, two days before, I failed you, but I've done all of this for you, that I can't decide when she pulled the trigger if she was theoretically in her right mind. The only reason I say this is because in my mind, after she pulled the trigger, and he basically was like, I didn't think, like... She lost it for a moment. She couldn't believe she did it She herself. couldn't believe she did either. Yeah. But then, pardon me, and this is going to sound effed up, I actually then wanted her to go to the gun that Jake gave her and shoot him. Right. If you wanted him dead, do it with pure conscience of thought. Because just like you're saying, right? And I know that we're going to go legal semantics. Legally, the first shot, self-defense. The second shot, arguably wouldn't be. 
But for me as a viewer, I wanted her to fully realize what she was doing and to consciously make a choice. At that moment when she pulled the trigger and she basically didn't see if there was another, I don't know, guns, but see if there's another bullet in a chamber, go for your other gun, so forth and so on, then it really is like, were you then another a child? Right having a tantrum because your dad told you something you didn't like because that's to me what it felt like it felt like he told her exactly about herself he got in her head and the reason it hurt her was because it was the truth it is all those little demons that are always in her head and that's why she's always trying to fix people and that's why she consciously commits herself to men she cannot commit to because she is broken and she is lonely I think that I, I have I just have this this weird feeling that all of our our fans and followers on the iTunes they're gonna comment on this and I feel one of the comments will be will because Liv shot the gun knowing that Rowan probably had blanks in it uh, as a test or something so just all of that just makes me think of all of you guys out there on social media so make sure that you guys uh, continue to share comments on iTunes make sure you rate subscribe tell a friend and, and, and tell us where you whether you agree or disagree with whatever theories that you have but I know you're going to have some that's opposite of us so um, share I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes and obviously I can't I don't think any of us could ever do that but I guess the reason why I can understand her pulling that trigger is just because I can't imagine what it would be to live like with somebody in your life who's mm-hmm. constantly manipulating every single element of your life and saying, oh, I'm doing it for you. Okay, but if you're trying to break away from your parents, you're trying to live your life, then I don't need you to do that for me. So if that's the case, if I can't live my life with you, then I want you gone. See, I see it totally different. Yeah, Again, I, I, no, I see it as... Point, though, I, that's a, that is a good point. I see it as... She didn't know what a father was. Some I don't have kids, Mm -hmm. but I assume, or just what I hear from some parents that I think are great parents, the job of the parent is to give each child what that child needs, not what you feel like giving them. Mm -hmm. And just because he gave her this speech now doesn't mean that she didn't need this this whole time. It doesn't mean that this one speech or the, you know this, this these couple of moments in time telling her how blood is thicker than water is going to change how she has felt or the lack of attention or life lessons that she got in the past. So, yeah, he gave her these, these speeches. Yeah, he told her about family. But that doesn't mean that she's ready to hear it because this is her first time hearing it. You can pull the trigger on somebody that you don't feel that connection with because you haven't been taught this lesson by your dad. He didn't tell her this until just now. True. But so how was she supposed to know this? You don't wake up knowing you don't wake up knowing lessons about your dad or your family. Or blood before you go back, you gotta mm-hmm. learn. Uh, Sophia, where's that bracelet from? Oh my gosh! Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I totally forgot I was wearing my gladiator bracelet. I got this um, as a gift from one of our absolutely amazing gladiators. It is a charm bracelet, and you guys can see if you can that there's popcorn, there's wine, like any good gladiator would have, and there's an S for scandal. I like to think it's an S for Sophia. It's um, Gladiator in San Diego. Her Twitter handle is at Muffy LK. Thank you so very much. I love it. Obviously, as you can tell, I just wear it all the time. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. I know she's been trying to mention that for a while now. Yeah, um, I-, I was just going to say, well, if Liv knows how to uh, shoot a gun prior to Jake giving her this information, mm-hmm. you have to remember that they've had Sunday dinners and, and so forth. So who's to say that who's to say that he wasn't a father or he hasn't been doing things with Olivia um, in the past, whether if it's it's after boarding school or if it's before 12 years old, there is some kind of relationship. But I do want to say this uh, before uh, before we have to move on. Um, 
one of the great things about parenting is um, whether if you like Rowan and Mama Pope or, or not, they have each other's back even when they don't realize it. So when when Rowan had the conversation with uh, Olivia, when Olivia goes to visit the mom, she's co-signing on. She's basically co-signing with Rowan without even knowing that they even, I, that they even that they even had a conversation, reminding her, getting into Olivia's head more. Girl, you just like your daddy. Something that she doesn't want to hear. I thought that was. I thought that was great. I agree with you from, a, but from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to arm her for the reality of the world that she lives in. Mm-hmm. I think that on That's some it, levels yeah. they've protected her, but on some levels they're basically saying this is the real world. So jumping real quick to Mama Pope, the reason Mama Pope was like you know cry me a river or whatever she said was she like said, grow up. She said, "Girl, wait, <laughs> yeah, say it, Camilla. Girl, you need to move on." Mm-hmm. Bru- you know then I mean? she said something about chill out, boo. She called her boo. Like, <laughs> right, and I think that really what they're I trying to do the whole is basically, basically, I think that it's like Olivia thinks that she can just come in there and cry whenever she wants. It's like, wait, that's not blood eaters don't cry. Well, here's the bottom of that scene because it's like you guys said it'll be different if in the scene prior to she pulled the trigger and then she went to find her gun. So I'm trying to figure out: you pulled the trigger, then you let him leave, and you sat there with your Stevie Wonder album. And then you go to your mom, tell me where he is. Bitch, he was just in your apartment. You could have pulled the trigger on him, so why do you care now? You know what I mean? That's that's the problem. Like, she just wants, she wants that, and that's why I'm, I like the scene with Mama Pope where she called her out on it, and she called her out on everything in that scene saying, you are just like him, whether you want to believe it or not. You follow around these B613 guys, you have them in your crew, like, listing everything. Where it's, and then she's like, what did she, she said, I'll see you later, wherever she said, leaving the room, because yeah. once again, she's she was, running I'll away see you from tomorrow. The, yeah, she's running away from the situation. She is, but you know, also, um, Again, this was a huge wake-up call for Olivia, which is why, in the end, she was honest. She was like, listen, I want to go to Vermont. I want to do the whole Vermont with Fitz, and I want to go away with you. And I like both of you. I'm not trying to choose you, but basically I'm choosing me. So at the end, really, she woke up and realized what um, all what her mom and her dad was saying. Because even um, even when she was on the phone, when uh, Quinn kept calling her, was like, you know, the first thing she was like, what, Quinn? She's very selfish. Look how, look how she treats OPA when they were calling her because of an assignment that they're supposed like aren't you supposed to report to your boss? Not only, hey boss? Not only are you not supposed to report to your boss and, and arguably again let me restate what Emil said I thought this episode was absolutely brilliant however because I think she's so selfish arguably is why the end which we will talk about ended the way that it did mm-hmm. because she's not taking care of her house and home because she is so bothered with getting her father or 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 paying back Fitz or paying back Jake or loving Jake or loving Fitz or whoever she is, she's so concerned with that and not necessarily ironically with the legitimate family which she has created which is OPA. And I think that because she is like Queen what and not necessarily taking care of business, i.e. Kubiak, the vice president, Lizzie connected, bugging phone, so forth and so on, there are pictures of you Again, and we said this time and time again, the fact that they never thought that she was in danger, not from Rowan, but in danger in general, to me, fail Quinn, fail Huck, fail Jake. But more importantly, fail Jake. Because that's supposed to be your B613 ex-command boyfriend, not boyfriend. You you don't protect her better? You just, like you don't have, just trying to get in them sheets. No, but in, but in getting in those sheets, so you're going to give her a gun. You're going to give her a gun because you're afraid. Command. And the entire command thing 
is coming after his daughter to tie up loose ends and you don't have an inside man that's even better than you watching her scoping her making sure she's okay but papa but papa pope do and that was my problem like if everybody can i say something did and that's right she effed up right did yeah you're right did right because if papa pope was still they were still cool this would not have happened Papa Pope's always had his daughter's back. Even when she didn't this. know it, yeah. yeah. When she, with the whole big scandal at the very end when he was introduced, dad, she's all, he's always looked out for his child. Yeah. But I think, Emil, I think, and if you want to touch on this, I think your point was excellent because I think that really what you're saying is there's a moment in adulthood when if you're no longer asking for assistance and you have decided to be on your own, that constant, not only smothering, but almost stalking is basically what Olivia was responding to. So in essence, she was literally, as she stated in the end, when I choose me, theoretically when she pulled the trigger, that's what she was doing. She was basically saying, you obviously are not going anywhere. I thought you left at the restaurant. You're obviously in my house now. Mm -hmm. The only way for me to live my life on my own terms, regardless of the outcome, is possibly to literally and figuratively pull the trigger on my relationship with you. Well, I'm just glad that I'm glad that Jake and Olivia finally talked that whole scene about standing in the sun, standing in Vermont, so we can get this in the air because she did exactly what we wanted the whole season. She says, I choose me. Quinn is also dipping in two different pots, though, with Charlie and Huck. And so we have this thing where she goes to warn Charlie because she still cares about him, even though she tries to deny it, and they end up making out in the car. And then later on, we see that they just got busy, and she's laying in the bed all relaxed, which nobody's acting like their lives aren't in danger. Like, they're all super chill, but she's laying in bed like everything's okay. But I've said this about Quinn. Um, when you when you have, when you've gone through such a drastic change in your life where you've already knocked on Dev's door a couple times, I don't feel that Quinn fears death. Like, she saw the card, and I know um, one of you guys were saying, you know, why are you just standing there? Why don't you do something? But she's been killed. I mean, she's been through hell and high waters. Quinn does not fear death, and she doesn't fear Charlie because, you know, as you saw when they were fighting, she threw them knuckles up, and she was, she don't care. Like, she doesn't fear death. That's an excellent point. I mean, I guess. <laughs> and I just have a random point. I feel like whoever trained Quinn trained her well. Yeah. Because, like, there were scenes when she was definitely using, like, her lower body strength. It seemed very, like, Krav Maga, so that the scenes felt believable. For Quinn, her size, Charlie, his size, the actor, it felt believable. I liked it. Girl power. Go. Do you, do you <laughs> honestly trust Charlie, though? I do. I do. And this is the funny thing is, in the same way that I trust everyone on the show, everyone, this is the funny thing is, I think that sometimes we exist in a world of black and white where we either say right or wrong, good or bad. You can be in between. He had a job to do. He hadn't quite decided whether he was going to do it because arguably the decision is my life or yours. Right? It's kind of tricky. Most of us, no matter how spiritual and whatever, whatever we want to be, most people are going to choose themselves because I think we have some selfish, inherent power or whatever to survive right however it's obvious no matter how eerie or icky or weird it is charlie really likes robin robin's arguably the only person who actually likes charlie Mm -hmm. i really don't think he was gonna do it i just i just remembered this when they were talking about uh granny friend yeah (laughs) just having a small talk like yeah and they had a relationship that shows that they had a relationship they just weren't like that creepy couple they actually talked she knew about granny friend she knew that he was that granny friend was sick so you know they were actually together 
Speaking of creepy but heartbreaking, and creepy from his uh, former lover's perspective, Huck and Kim. So Huck is at the front door trying to find out if Javi's okay, which we've said this before, like, Huck, you need to stop going there. Send somebody there who has a reputation where your former wife would believe that you're telling the truth. Because you keep going there with this crazy look on your face and, like, super frantic, oh, is Javi okay? Like, she's not going to want to respond to that or going to respond to that in a positive way. And so... She finds out that something happened. Oh, you're seeing my son now? And then she goes back upset to the door. But then we fast forward later because we find out in a side scene that... uh who had the fouls? Charlie. Oh, Charlie has mm-hmm. fouls that can help Huck. And so he puts thanks the fouls. Thanks to Quinn. Thanks to Quinn, mm-hmm. giving up the good. Oh, sorry, side note. I did like how Quinn, before they fought, Quinn was like, uh, the thing that sucks the most is that you had to screw me before you killed me. Which means she got that good, good. But anyway, going back to going back to what we were talking about. So Huck left the fouls in front of Kim's house and basically said, "Just look at those fouls before you do anything else." And it's the last thing I'll ask you to do. Yeah. So I'm really, I really want to see, and this works out. If you think about it, this works out perfectly if it's going where we think it's going or where it could possibly go. Because now Quinn is rekindling with Charlie, and Huck could possibly get back with Kim and his family and start that dynamic. You know, so he's gonna need to relax. You know, so, okay? Can, can, Huck I, can I go conspiracy real so quick? Yeah, oh, okay, go, no, you go. Are you going? I just, you know. After all this entire buildup and and how Junior went through all these leaps and bounds to find his dad and this whole thing and he witnesses him, I thought the re- the resolution was too quick and too simple. It was like, damn, I, di- I didn't like it. I th- they, too I, quick. I, uh-huh. I after, don't think so. After Javi saw his dad kill a man with his bare hands. I mean, there was. I mean, between just, between <laughs> between Huck, there, there was, has there, been no resolution yet. Because ironically, you're assuming just, just to go down, you're assuming that by her reading the files, that Huck is not just a killer, but is arguably one of the best killers in the world. And I can't remember, but in Spies Like Us, didn't they even say what his body count was? Like, mm-hmm. he's probably the best of the best. Huck on the show alone has probably killed ten to twenty people that we know of. And that if may actually you, if you read through the files, that even though now you know he's telling the truth, it may not allow you to bond with him or think that he is a fit parent for your child just because you know that he didn't lie or didn't willfully leave his family responsibility. I mean the resolution in regards to this finale episode, it was basically two scenes with the whole with the whole Huck and Kim and I would have liked more. And that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's not resolved, but those two little mammy-made scenes to me were very... um, I I didn't like it. I felt like there could have been more. And this is going to sound funny. I agree with you. And the only reason I disagree with you is, again, Guillermo Diaz, bravo, bravo, bravo. How you play Huck, it's almost literally the minute your scene begins, like, I literally say to the TV, I can't. Like, I get emotional. Like, I literally feel that it is my father that left or my brother. I feel not just sympathetic, but I feel empathetic. And I guess for me as a viewer from that perspective, I need the scenes to be short because they're so emotionally draining for me that I actually can't take any more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his presence is so large yet so quiet in the way that he plays it. That it's almost as if his scenes need to be in the shadows because I think it's it's symbolic of how he is as a personality. So it's almost like in general in the show he just pops in and pops out. Pops in and pops out because it's symbolic of the fact that he still is a spy and he's on the fringes and he's an outlier and he's not really part 
of everything else. So yeah. I do agree with you, but I think that it's kind of done on purpose because I think it feels very natural and organic to his character, and they're actually playing it on all like levels, almost 3D. Everything is who he is. Well, speaking of who we are and who he is, Cyrus. Because um, these two, the last thing we just discussed and then everything that went down with Cyrus, they were both really emotional, just the way they were broken down. And basically, Cyrus's information has been leaked to first the Times. A question was asked, it was leaked to the Times, and then, of course, it got picked up on the wire really quick, and it's all over. Now, we have a couple of things to discuss here, though, because we have the issue of, you know, Cyrus is the chief of staff, um, but the way they were playing it in the media, they were focusing on the gay sex thing, they're focusing on on that particular part of it, really making it super sensational. Um, so... Do you think that if Cyrus was a straight man and it was a prostitute, do you think it still would have been the same issue because it's the Republican Party and they're just looking at the morals? Or is it because it's gay and a prostitute and it takes it to another level he needs to get out? I think it takes it to another level because he's a gay man. However, if if he were a straight man, it, they still would have made it a scandal because this presidency is marked with sex scandals. It seems like all they do is, is, ha- is have sex problems. Right. You had the Amanda Tanner sex thing. They had the one with Olivia, but they made up the fake um, one with the reporter girl. It seems like that's all they do. I think it still would have been a problem. I just don't think it would have been as big of a problem. And I think that they could have spun it differently. I think that if, if he was a straight man, the death of his wife... And then going to a prostitute would have been an easier, an easier next step for quote unquote average America to consume. I think again, the fact that he was gay, one issue. The fact that he was married, okay, we can deal with that, right? Again, now he's not married, and it's because again, they kept saying gay sex, gay sex. They didn't just keep saying sex because arguably the the gay aspect of it is irrelevant to the fact that not only that it's sex, but the most important part is that he's a prostitute. Right. But the fact that they needed to use that adjective, that descriptive nature, it was because it's more salacious. It gives us something more to talk about. For me, and and I've always been torn with this, because we know Cyrus is a monster, it's hard to kind of feel for him even though I think the writers do a really good job of creating him as a whole individual, so we do. We've talked about this on air and offline. To me, how the writers put in the fact that he had only had sex with two people, one of which being his husband who is now deceased, the other person being this prostitute, I think made it so much more believable because we had debated how could he have sex with a prostitute. And it made me feel for him because it made me realize he really did have feelings for Michael. Like, he really, he really, and I know Bam's gonna, like, jump on me because I'm being the romantic one, but I think that you have to think about it, you know, wherever you are in your life, whether or not you're young or old, but it's when you're in that newness of loving someone or liking someone, whoever that person is, you just really want to be loved. And I think that really is what this storyline was about. You want to be loved so bad that you would pay for it. Because if we really think it's about the sex and about the fact that Michael was worth $2,500, that's not what it was about. And even Cyrus says that, said that. The fact that he allowed him to not think his life was real means that you have a little bit of fantasy, right? Vermont, standing in the sun, is all fantasy. It's all a place where if we love someone, we feel that we can escape from the reality of life and the reality of the world, and it's just about 
us. I agree with you on that aspect um, of of the fantasy and so forth because I know I, I do get that and you know when you are someone who's rich $2,500 so damn what it's it's no different than you know that $2,500 that he was giving to, to, to Michael is no different from someone who doesn't have as much as money as him is taking a girl out on a date and for the movies where I pay for the movies pay for the popcorn pay for the parking and whatever else so $2,500 to Cyrus that's nothing. Right. But where Cyrus lost me is where he all of a sudden wanted to to have morals and not want to go with the fake marriage because it's a, it's a disrespect to James. Let me finish. Go ahead. Okay. You tried to kill James. He did try to kill him. <laughs> Drops Mike. He did try to kill him. Outside in the daytime. It was bright, too, when he did it. It wasn't okay. at night. Okay. Cyrus, sit your old ass but down. But this goes back. But that's a good you, point, though. That's a good point, though. I'm gonna, my, Okay. Sophia made a good point when she said that uh, Cyrus is a monster, so it's hard to get feelings or have feelings for him and see him as a whole. But in this scene, if we're just isolating the whole Michael situation, just think about what we're asking in this scene right here. Olivia is saying, in order for you to keep your reputation, make this whole thing still work, you still be the man you are, you have to marry this prostitute who you found out was actually getting paid by somebody else. So what happened is, it's not just... Like, I understand, I get what you're saying about the morals thing, but it's not just you're at, we need to have you marry this man. It would be different if there was some scandal and it was just some random man that he met and whatever. But this is a man that you paid, but you paid thinking that there could be something there. It, it seems like in Cyrus's mind, sometimes it wasn't just he's a prostitute. I'm paying more for discretion. I'm paying because he is a prostitute, but I feel like we have a connection here, and I'm paying more for discretion. Oh, I'm buying an apartment now on the phone so we can keep this going. Oh, you're oh you're acting about politics and stuff. It's not just a prostitute anymore. So it's and think about just the whole institution of marriage, though. But for Cyrus specifically to come out of his previous marriage and then to have to possibly be stuck with this younger guy, Cyrus is old to be stuck with this younger guy that's not something that's going to end anytime soon like in in order for it was three it was it three years or five years three three yeah but in order for you know him to keep his title his reputation and everything that's something he would have to stay in for quite some time bro you listen bruh you were a part of the whole defiance in order to um in order to for the president to to win the election and for you to be in the seat so what? Okay. Marry him three years. Okay. You've done worse. Shit. Yes, he's done worse. However, when it comes to Cyrus and his personal life, it's not that cut and dry for him. It's not. Take it back to when he got butt naked and, and, and poured his heart out to James. To him, he was like, this is who I am and you know I'm a monster, but I'm showing you who I am. Cyrus knows he's a monster and he knows he's done some dirt. But when it comes to marrying somebody, the only the second person that he's been with as far as, you know, a, a man and man relationship, to him, that's a big deal. And, and he and, and and it was just right then. Like it wasn't like he had time to go home and sit on it and strategize and think about it. No, it was this hit the papers. Then a little while later, Olivia's like, "All right, cool, you got to marry him." Like that's a lot to digest. And that's a speaking, whole lot you say, to but digest. you're saying like you're saying like three years. It'd be different if Cyrus was Michael, and Cyrus is this young decent looking fella who after three years he's still gonna look good have his body and everything Cyrus is gonna continue to get old so after he does that fake marriage like he like all hope is lost for him essentially he's like I couldn't even get a guy who really loves me 
now. But you and know also, too, but and Michael also, too, does, just real quick. Michael and real does quick, like but, him, and, though. No, but either way, also, too, I he think it's like, twofold. Still, he still has to live in the house with his daughter, who we don't know where she is, but the daughter still exists. And I think that just like you said in Jump in Any Time, Bam, it is also because he genuinely had feelings for him, and that's why it hurt him. I think that, ironically, people can do fake marriages when there isn't emotion involved. And I'm just going to bring it there just because this is my only point of reference that I know, and I have not married, and I've never been married, so this is not me. But sometimes people marry for immigration reasons, and I'm not trying to bring it to that politics thing, but... It's different when, let's say if we're two platonic friends, I'm not going to do us because they're going to make us married, but like two platonic Aaron friends, let's say we're going to literally, that I'm from another country and I'm going to leave and we're going to get married. It's right. going to be easy, right? Because we're not romantically involved. Right. Now, if it was me and someone who I actually am in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and they may leave, now it gets tricky. Mm-hmm. Because even though I love you enough to marry you so that you can stay, the fact that we actually have feelings no, 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 no. It's going to get messy. And I think that's why Cyrus got upset because Cyrus actually was upset with himself for disgracing James's stature in his life for actually falling for someone so quickly who's only the second person he's had sex with. I think that's really what Cyrus was upset about. Cyrus was upset that he actually let his guard down, not purely for sex, but he let his guard down because he actually really felt something. And I think that's why the scene with Olivia was important because we keep forgetting he's still mourning, he's going through a whole lot, and in that moment, that's what Olivia did. Olivia reminded him, you're a mf and monster like you run this country like you will do whatever you need to do for the republic get over yourself let's spin this and keep it rolling that was a really good scene that was yeah. that was really good that was a really even good though scene. i didn't like the bitch baby i know yeah. that sounds silly it just sound forced like in, in this instance if she just called him a bitch i yeah. think that would have been a more that would have rolled off the tongue better but somehow bitch baby unless that's a term that I've never heard of. It just seemed weird. I think in, in like, thinking back though, if she would have just said, are you, are you, are you a bitch? It's, it's still, uh, it, it, it comes off like, because bitch has been, we're so desensitized to it now, but by saying uh, bitch baby just adds a little more element. Are you gonna be a bitch baby? Because then it's, uh, it's just so much, like it adds that little um yeah. to the end. She was playing, she was like the football coach. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Elizabeth North, Lizzie Bear, comes into OPA talking about, oh, my phone was actually bugged. It was by Cyrus. You weren't going to tell me. Having this whole conversation with her. And they both know what's going on. Like, they both... What's up? Olivia should be very careful at throwing stones when the stone is literally a stone that can be thrown at her. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. If, if Quinn, Huck, have told you she's connected to Andrew, she's connected to Kubiak, Kubiak had the folder with your pictures in there, wouldn't you think of what's your biggest secret? Exactly. That you used to screw the President of the United States of America? And she's alluded that, like, I know you're dirt. Olivia seems to not care that people know this anymore. But, you know, I think, I think I was disappointed how quick she was to just give her, you know, just, just to drop information or tidbits. It seems like she doesn't keep <clears throat> anything in, in close to the chest anymore. It's like she's just like. Speaking of keeping um, that term, Cornelia, I felt Melly should have shut her mouth with revealing that she was also sleeping with uh, with Andrew. I understand that, you know, and she even cracked me up how she had the little, she did the little black, the, the sister hand thing when she was trying to read her, but <laughs> Melly talks too much and she needs to learn to shut up and she needs to learn when to play her cards because her revealing that information could potentially um, 
it's just not good. I agree with them wholeheartedly. That's rare, but I agree wholeheartedly because in that moment, like we see how shady Lizzie Bear is and what she's doing. And I understand what Melly was saying. Like Melly's saying, oh, because of this, this and that, like Andrew's never going to be able to hold office or anything like that. I understand where she was coming from with that. And I understand by you revealing that information, you're trying to cut down Lizzie Bear. But at the same time, like you have to hold some cards. I think, I think, and this is maybe where you guys are going because <clears throat> I'm mad because I actually love the scene. It's because she was playing off of emotion right. and not from a professional standpoint. And I think we were hoping from last episode we said that when this revelation comes, we wanted Melly to snap into actual first lady potential, run the country, like be just a bad ass boss lady. And the fact that she played on emotion. Not necessarily so much, even though for me, I loved it because it was very 300, this will hurt. Oh, I liked it too. I loved it. I loved it. I just wanted wanted her to shut her down a different way. That could actually hurt her in her Permanently. Right, Mm -hmm. to end it all. She warned her, though. So, you know, that's up to Lizzie Bear to to take the threat lightly or not to. But I think if Lizzie tries her, I think Melly is in a position now where she got played twice. She got played by Fitz. She got played by Andrew. So I don't really think she's playing games. Yeah, she revealed her hand, but I think if Lizzie tries her, I think Melly is going to go psycho on her. Because she now what? What does she have left? She thought she was going to have a future with Andrew, and now now what? So I think she's out for blood. The last thing I have on our little board is Fitz. What do we miss with Fitz? Um, uh, well, no. I mean, I don't think really yeah. there's anything with Fitz. I Nothing. mean, I think it's really just the the absolute last scene, you know, Vermont and Son. Right. Olivia chose herself, which I think, you know, all four of us were beyond happy. Oh, it was a conversation between uh, between oh, uh, the vice yes. president yeah. and Fitz, and basically Wake right. is now gone. Right, because the West Angola, we found out that Waco... I did Waco, not see that coming. Yeah, yeah we found well, out that Waco was actually West Angola. Yeah. No, we saw that coming. Yeah. But Andrew's move mm-hmm. to sit down in front of the president and basically say that he knew... That using himself as a tactic would not work because, because he doesn't go ahead. I was gonna say none of us knew where no. that was seen was no. going because even in the no. room we all saw Liv dancing. Then we saw her get Jake to start dancing, and I like had to turn away and like at the edge of my chair because I didn't know where it was going. But when Jake went to the room, we were all thinking I it was curtains for Jake. Yeah, man. Jake was going out, and then when Jake was coming back, I'm like, oh no 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 no. And then Liv's <laughs> wine, her wine was spilled on the sofa, and she's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's when Andrew's like, boom, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't expecting that at all. Not at all. Yeah, me either. So I'm excited to see where <laughs> this is going to happen and where it's going to go after this whole uh, winter finale. But it's time for news and gossip. Um, the first little piece of news, I don't know if that if anyone out there in the Twitter sphere, but um, Rihanna either tweeted or Instagrammed that she was at the White House. And she uh, basically had pictures of the White House, and then she had a picture, a really cute picture that we don't actually don't have, but we'll tweet out in YouTube and so forth and so on, um, at a at a phone booth. And she basically was like, hello, Fitz. And then basically, you know, obviously, you know, news outlets picked it up and talked to her, and she was like, hello, of course I'm a Scandal fan. Like, who isn't a Scandal fan? And then there was talk of whether or not she's going to be on the show. She really was very, you know, evasive, but made a very clear point that she is definitely a gladiator. She loves the show and that she absolutely adores Scandal. Aww. So I thought that was really cute. Um, and then also the most important gladiator um, has a birthday on Monday. Miss oh, Camelia. Oh. It is her birthday on Monday. So make sure that if you were listening live or if you were listening a little bit later on, that on Monday you either tweet, send an iTunes message, a YouTube message to Gladiator Camelia. Um, it is her birthday. And I just want to actually take a moment. 
I don't know if you guys know I have to have an emotional moment. Um, the three of us started in season one, and if you go back and you look at the difference between season one and when Camelia joined us in season two, it's a completely different show. Like, it's like we were nobodies. And literally, when you joined us as our fourth, we properly were gladiators. So, again, Aww. so honored every week to be across the table talking scandal with you. Thank happy, you. happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You, it's so cute tonight, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So make sure you wish her a happy birthday to our favorite gladiator, Cornelia. And let's now have the uh, the, bir- the birthday girl give her cold piece. Right. So first of all, you guys are cold piece for wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> uh, my 18th birthday is coming up, and I do appreciate <laughs> the kind wishes. Um, this week I'm giving cold piece of the week. I'm not going to give it to Rowan because he somebody gave him lifetime achievement award for a cold piece on the internet, and I'm not going to do that. So Mama Pope gets okay. cold piece for this week. Reason being... Once she came fresh out the hole, she didn't have no kitchen around the board of her hair. Nothing was wrong with her hair. It was a little, little frazzled, but it looked like she got a wash and set the whole time she was in the hole. Two, she told Olivia, girl, you need to move on. She called her boo. She was using current slang, which I don't know where she learned inside of a hole because she don't have access to a TV, internet, or the radio. And... She was the last person to put Olivia in her place. She told her, you need to get it together. You up here chasing around everybody. You're just like your father. And it caused Olivia to be, once again, shook in her boots and to storm out. So this week, I'm giving cold piece of the week to Mama Pope. Let us know who your cold piece is, guys, at home. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, let us know your predictions online, but where can we find you guys on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Sophia Stanley. And again, we'll be talking all the way through the winter break. So again, Twitter, Facebook at Sophia Stanley. And you can find me on our social media at Bam Erickson. And you can also today, um, I was on uh, the soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. And so you guys can check out that episode on CBS.com or the CBS uh, app. And you could uh, check me out on uh, Bold and the Beautiful. And me at Canelia on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also check at Canelia.com. I might have some shows up during the break. So if you're in Los Angeles, come check me out. Everybody promote. Oh. Um, what's up? No, no. Oh, and at email and it's junior. Um, and as always, go to YouTube. Check out Chasing LA. I just covered the red carpet for the NAACP Theater Awards. So go hey. check out the latest red carpet. And um, I'm, we're going to miss you guys. It's going to be a long break. January 29th, I believe, Yes, is yeah. when Scandal comes back. So... Like Sophia said, we'll be there all throughout the break. We want to hear your predictions. Go crazy with your theories, all that good stuff. And we will truly miss you guys, but uh, we'll still be around. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. <laughs> Buzz you later. Uh, out. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.